But today I want to talk to you about trust. And I want to talk to you about vision and hope and packaging. So we'll start by talking about, about packaging. It's funny how much packaging matters. And I've got here a, a great illustration for you. If I show you guys these, I don't even have to tell you what it is. Even if I was covering up the name here, you know what it is. You know this is Oreos. You know I had to do this illustration while Bo was at a, at a tournament because these wouldn't have lasted up here. He would have eaten them. Especially if he could have found some milk. But if I offer you some of these Oreos and say we can open them up, we all know what Oreos are. We know that. Hang on a second. This is one of the benefits of being a pastor is I can actually open these and eat some while you guys sit there and watch. Would you look at that? Three rows symbolizes the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Double stuffed. Double anointing. Okay, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay. We all know what that is. If I offered you some Oreos, you would probably like them. Now, what if I didn't have that nice package that I just showed you? And I came up and said, hey, you want some of this? I got something good in here. Most of you would be like, eh, I'm not going to reach in you. I don't know what he's got in that bag. What do you got in that paper bag? Well, it says Oreos on it. I'm telling you there's Oreos in it. Hey, man, you want some Oreos? I don't think that's Oreos. There are Oreos in this paper bag. It's, in fact, the exact same Oreos that are in this wonderful, beautiful package that I walked in Walmart and bought yesterday, or I told Jesse to walk in Walmart and buy yesterday. And she was very obedient. But if Jesse walked up to the shelf yesterday and saw this brown paper bag sitting there in Walmart on the shelf that said Oreos, she wouldn't have bought it. I can guarantee you. I don't even have to ask her. I know she wouldn't buy a brown paper sack that said Oreos. She probably wouldn't even take one if you offered it to her. She wouldn't even be willing to eat it. But she would if it was in a beautiful package. It's funny how much packaging matters. See, the packaging makes you want the product. That's what it's designed to do. When you look at a package, it's supposed to make you want whatever it is that's inside, even if it's bad for you. Not that the Oreos are bad for you, but... It makes you want the product. Nobody wants what's inside of me. I don't understand. I've got so much wisdom in me and nobody wants it. 
Maybe it's because of how you've packaged it. Maybe it's because when they walk up and see you or meet you, what do you got going on out here? Because you might have something really good inside, but if you're a brown paper bag out here that's saying shady, ain't too many people reaching in your cookie jar. Nobody wants what I have. Well, check your packaging. You get what I'm saying? We could take this too far. So let's go back to my notes. <laughs> I got wisdom. I've got hope. I, I've got life. I'm a Christian. I got God in me. I feel like I've been through some things. Why don't they come to me for advice? Maybe it's the way you've packaged what you have. So I'm a Christian. Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life, he lives in me. And, and the Bible says that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, it lives in us after the cross. The Bible tells us that, and we say we believe that. So if we believe that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is on the inside of us, we have something worth giving. And that must mean I believe you have something worth me receiving. We have something good inside of us. Look at somebody and say, check your packaging. Another way I could ask you this question would be, what are you covered in? What is it that you're covered in? You're going to be covered in something. If I go jump in a swimming pool... I'm probably going to be freezing right now. But if I go jump in a swimming pool and then I crawl out of the pool and walk up, I'm out of the pool. I'm no longer in the water, but I'm going to be covered in the water. It's going to change the way I look. Right now, it's going to change the way I feel. I'm going to be standing there shivering, probably. It's probably going to mess up my hair. And I'm going to be soaking wet. Or like if I go jump into a swimming pool, Full, full, if I go jump into a swimming pool, full, why can I not talk? Pool full of pudding, pudding. It's going to be all over me. Sorry for that. <laughs> what are you covered in? If I spend a whole bunch of time out in the sun, I'm going to get darker. Check your packaging. What does your life look like from the outside looking in? Just think about it for a minute. Somebody else looking at you, the things that you do, the way that you act. Does, do they see joy and love and peace and hope? Do you panic? Do you get angry? Do you, like, what does it look like if I were to just look from the outside looking in on your life? Does it look like you've got it together or... Is there a lot of fear that you're being led and motivated by? What does your life look like from the outside looking in? Well, man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. It don't matter what I look like or what I got going on out here. I've heard that before. So let's read that verse real quick. 1 Samuel 16, 9. 
Wait, that's not it. 16.7, isn't it? Yeah. 16.7. But the Lord said unto Samuel. This is when Samuel, God's prophet, he showed up to anoint the new king. And uh, they had all David's big brothers were there. And there were some good looking ones and some good fighters and some just kingly looking fellows. And uh, they didn't even bring David to the party because they figured he can't be king. Right? So Samuel shows up and Samuel's like, of course, this has got to be him. This guy looks like a king. Man, this guy could lead us. And look what God says. But the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. True. God looks at the heart. But you know what else that verse says? Man looks at the outward appearance. Men look at your packaging. If we're created to connect to God and people and to be a part of the body of Christ, we have to connect to each other so... It's not that your packaging doesn't matter. Well, God sees my heart, so it doesn't matter if I offend all of you. Yes, it does. <laughs> it really does for me. And then none of y'all come back next week, and that's not a good thing. So man looks at the outward appearance, and God looks at the heart. And I, as I think about that and as I was studying this and thinking about it's so true. Even when you think about things like when we've gotten ready to change things around here. You know, like a church remodel or even just remodeling the stage. How much there was like, ah, we can't do that. We can't. A lot of kickback. You know I can't see your heart unless you show me. God looks at your heart, but I can't see your heart. And God's been speaking that to me lately is that you can't see my heart. I need to show you. I need to show you my heart. I can't just expect that you know. You know how I feel or you know like... I need to show you my heart because I can't see your heart. Your outward appearance will usually reflect your heart. Look at Luke six forty five. Jesus was saying this. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasures of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance or overflow of the heart 
his mouth speaketh. So he's saying, your mouth's going to give you away. Hang around somebody long enough and listen to them talk long enough and the jokes they tell and how you. It tells you what there's an abundance of in their heart. Their heart or their mind, your, the core of man, the heart of man. What, what you go over and over in your mind eventually is going to spill out. We're going to be able to see it of the abundance. You know, if I have an abundance of water in my house, it's flooded. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them. Jesus is saying, it's not just enough to hear it. You got to do it. Whoever comes to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built a house and dig deep. When was the last time you had to dig deep? And he laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon the house and could not shake it. For it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built a house upon the earth against which the stream did beat. And immediately it fell and the ruin of the house was great. Look at how the Message Bible words this. Luke 6 43 you don't get wormy apples off of a healthy tree nor good apples off of a diseased tree the health of the apple tells the health of the tree you must begin with your own life giving lives it's who you are not what you say and do that counts your true being brims over into true words and deeds. Why are you so polite with me? Always saying, yes, sir. That's right, sir. But never doing a thing I tell you. Oh, yeah, that's good. Yes, sir. That's right. Yeah, I hear you. But you never do it. These words I speak to you are not mere additions to your life homeowner improvements to your standard of living they are foundation words words to build a life on if you work the words into your life you are like a smart carpenter who dug deep and laid the foundation of his house on bedrock when the river burst its banks and crashed against the house nothing could shake it it was built to last But if you just use my words in Bible studies and you don't work them into your life, then you're like a dumb carpenter who built a house but skipped the foundation. 
And when the swollen river came crashing in, it collapsed like a house of cards. It was a total loss. The same house, the exact same house was built. The same materials were used. It's the same thing. The only thing different was the foundation. He said, if you just use my words and the things that I'm teaching you, if you just use them as a good Bible study and you come in and you listen to them, but you never figure out a way to apply it to your life and, and you read my word and you get life, but then you never figure out how to apply it, how to work it into your living, your everyday life, then you're like a dumb carpenter that pretty much misses the point. Somebody that spent all this time and money and effort to build this big, beautiful house to watch it wash away when the storms come. You know, in life, storms are going to come. Pain's going to come. Sickness and disease and heartache and hurt. Hallelujah. It's going to happen. Now, I don't want to look around and see that all I've built and everything that I've invested in is gone after the storm. I want to know that I've built upon a strong foundation so that when the storms come, my house is still there. I might have to fix a couple windows and replace some shingles. But if it's built on a good foundation, it ain't going nowhere. Dylan built a deck off of the back of his house that, I mean, storm shelters would blow away and this baby would still be there. Guarantee you if a tornado hits their house, it could blow the whole house away and his deck's still sitting there. Like 87 bags of concrete per six by six post. It may be a slight exaggeration, but it's Okay. <laughs> it's solid. I'd rather go a little overboard with the foundation and it be strong and last. He made a little more of an investment than one I know of that I won't mention that's propped up with two by fours. Um <laughs> Dylan made a little more of an investment of time and money and effort. But guess what? That thing's there to stay. It's not going anywhere. How many things in my life, my ministry and my marriage and relationships, and if I just spend some time on the foundation, why? Because I wanted to last. I don't want it to just blow away when something hard happens. Jesus said, do what I say. Take my word. When God speaks to you, we talked last week a lot about hearing God's voice, making it a priority, that his written word, and you can hear his voice, and you can learn to hear the still small whisper that we make his voice a priority. And now we're taking that a step further by seeing what Jesus said is when you hear his voice, when you hear His Word, find a way to apply it. Don't just be a hearer, be a doer. That's what James told us is, I'll show you my faith by my works. 
What's he saying? He's talking about what we started out talking about. Packaging. Look at the package. You'll see what I believe. Watch me long enough. Listen to me speak. It's going to come out because out of the abundance of my heart, my mouth's going to speak. I'm feeding in a bunch of garbage, then a bunch of garbage is probably going to come out. Your outward appearance will usually reflect your heart. If you're stressed and worried, you're at war out here, then you probably don't have inner peace. We all say, especially all the, for some reason, all the beauty pageant models and stuff, they all, we all want world peace. But you can never have world peace until you get inner peace. Like, we'll never see world peace until enough of us get inner peace, real peace, the peace that Jesus talked about, a peace that doesn't make sense, peace that you can't figure out, a, a peace that's not based on circumstances, peace that passes understanding. So if you've got joy or strength in your heart, it should show that old, the old song all the Christian kids should know. I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Down in my heart. We used to sing that song, like in children's church and kids' space and stuff, right? I got the joy, joy down in my heart. I was thinking about that song this week. It sings, down in my heart to stay. I got the peace that passes understanding down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. That's kind of an annoying song now that I think about it. But... If you've got the joy down in your heart, some of you need to let your face know. You forgot to tell him. <laughs> no. Let it out. If it's in there, come on. Occasionally. You've got the peace inside. It's going to come out. If you've got joy all down inside, it's going to come out. We're going to be able to look at you and tell. I can see joy coming out if you're a doer if you've really got joy down in your heart if it's down in your heart it's going to come out if it's in you let it out I got a word for somebody if you're not willing to invest stop declaring you're just losing credibility Let's talk, more walk. Look, have y'all ever heard the, uh, pretty sure y'all have, you've heard the poem, Footprints? It's a really good, good emotional poem. It's really cool. Um, I got a, a slight variation I wanted to read you. It goes along with what we're talking about today. It's Footprints with my own little twist to it. <laughs> I call it butt prints in the sand. Take it easy, the kids are in class. <laughs> One night I had a wondrous dream. A set of prints on the sand was seen. The footprints of my precious Lord. Yet mine were not along the shore. 
But then a stranger print appeared. I asked the Lord, what have we here? The print is large and round and neat. But Lord, it's just too big for feet. My child, he said in somber tones, for miles I carried you alone. I challenged you to seek my face, to take up your cross and walk in grace. You disobeyed, you would not grow. You would not stand against the flow. Your neck was stiff, your ears were shut. So I dropped you there on your butt. Because in life there comes a time when one must fight, when one must climb, when one must rise and take a stand or leave one's butt prints in the sand. <laughs> okay, then maybe that wasn't as good as the, the footprints that you've heard before, but less talk, more walk. Sometimes I feel like sometimes we're like these big giant babies in adult bodies, and we're still sitting around waiting to be carried somewhere, and God's like, man, can't you, you should be walking by now. Come on, grow up. Let's go. Take a step. Leave your butt prints in the sand. Let's go. Real success is measured by how many people you can help, touch, or set free. Real success is measured in obedience. It's not in wins and losses. It's not in how much money you have or how much stuff you accumulate or how. We sat with Pastor Bruce and a couple other ministry leaders last night. And, and we talked about bigger's not always better. More money's not always better. It's not always what God's called you to. Sometimes fame's not all it's cracked up to be. It's about obedience. It's about hearing the voice and walking in obedience. That long, steady walk in the same direction. It's about being faithful and learning to trust. Whatever that takes. Wherever He leads you. You know, Jesus brought freedom for all of mankind. And he didn't have a two-camel garage and all the nicest things. The Bible says the Son of Man didn't even have a place to lay his head. But if I asked any of you if Jesus was a success, I'm pretty sure you would say, yeah. What'd he do? He just obeyed. He obeyed his Father. He walked in obedience. God's voice was his number one priority. Look at Ezekiel 37. We're going to close in Ezekiel. Ezekiel 37. It's a familiar story, but I believe God's going to show us something here, and then we'll be done. Ezekiel 37, verse 1. I'm going to read it to you in the Message Bible. God grabbed me. God's Spirit took me up. And sat me down in the middle of an open plain, strewed with bones, 
an open plain or a valley. I think King James says, in the valley of dry bones. Most vision comes in the valley. You can see far on top of the mountain. It's great for sight and scenery and looking, but a lot of times God speaks to us. We grow fruit and we get vision in the valley. A lot of times we get distracted on top of the mountain, looking around, strewed with dry, with bones. And he led me around and among them, a lot of bones. There were bones all over the plain, dry bones bleached by the sun. So they had been there a long time. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? I mean, we've, we've heard this Bible story before and we've read it, but really, if you think about it, I think a lot of times we do that with Bible stories. We just read them and say, oh, that's nice. It's a Bible story. But this is a really creepy story. Go read it. It's really weird and creepy. Like God calls him and says, I got a purpose. And then God takes him, leads him by the hand. God grabbed me. It says here what we just read. God grabbed me. And God's spirit took me up and sat me down. So, man, if God puts a call on my life and says, hey, I'm going to use you in a mighty, powerful way. And then all of a sudden he grabs me, takes me by the hand, and then he drops me into a valley full of bones. And then he makes me walk around and look at all the bones and how long they've been there and how dead they are. Hmm. Not the way I thought I was going to be used. I thought I was going to set Israel free. I thought you said I was going to be a prophet to the nations. Why am I walking around here in this valley? Why am I surrounded by death? And then God asked him a question. Son of man, can these bones live? And then he gives probably the greatest answer I could find in Scripture. This is a great answer. I said, Master God, only you know that. I don't know. Can these bones live? I have no idea. Only you know that, God. I, I trust you enough. I say, you're more powerful than me. You know more than I know. And you ask me about this situation, and I say, I don't know. Only you know that, God. Have any of y'all's parents ever asked you this question? What is wrong with you? Mine have. I think both of my parents have asked me that a lot of times. What is wrong with you? You know what I didn't say? Nothing. What's wrong with you? And then when I was getting back up off the floor, <clears throat> no. In fact, when I think about that, like when one of my parents asked me that question, I'd probably I'd start thinking, I don't know, God, what is wrong with me? Something must be wrong with me. I've even answered something, I think, a lot. <laughs> I don't know where to start. 
I remember being asked by a parent, I won't say which one, what are you, stupid? I don't know, maybe I am. I don't know. Am I? Yes, I am. Dang it. I don't want to be stupid. <laughs> right? <laughs> maybe. Don't, I never said no. I thought about some things before as I got a little bit older, you know. Maybe I am, but uh, that was your responsibility, so congratulations. You know. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. Why? Because they were more powerful than me. They were a lot bigger. They knew more than me. They were more powerful than me. In fact, I thought about that stuff like we just said jokingly like you think about it, I don't know what is wrong with me why did I say that why would I do such a dumb thing maybe there is something wrong why two reasons fear and respect Ezekiel respects God's ability to know what he doesn't know I mean, in Ezekiel's human brain, when he looked at all those dry bones, the answer was pretty obvious. When God said, can these bones live? The answer was no. But he respected God and his ability enough to know, I don't know, how arrogant of us to answer every question that God asks us as if he is trying to learn something from us. Every time God asks you a question and you feel like you're going to come up with an answer for it, it's arrogance. How arrogant of us to answer every question that God asks us as if He is trying to learn something from us. When was the last time you said, God, I don't know. I don't know how that could happen, God. God, I don't know. Only you know, God. What are you trying to teach me in this situation? What is it that I need to get? What, what is it that I need to learn? Because only you know. I don't know. When was that last time you answered God like that? We always want to throw questions back at God. Why is this happening? Why? Why? I don't understand. Why are the bones dead? Why? Don't, why? Why? What I realized is this question that we just read, can these bones live? See, the question is not about the bones. I think that's where we get it wrong a lot of times. We, we think the question is about our circumstance, but the question is not about the bones. Because if the question was about the bones, the answer would have been no. Simple. 
Can these bones live? Nope. All right, let's move on. Lots of times when God asks us a question about our situation, we look at the situation for the answer. If he looked at the bones, he would have said no. God comes to us and says, can this marriage live? And we look at the marriage. We give God an answer. No, and here's why. Nope. Can my finances be fixed? And we look at the finances and come up with an educated answer. And we give it to God. And you can fill in all the different blanks. But if we're looking at the situation for the answer, we're not going to get it. We're not going to get the right one. The question, when God asks you a question, the question is always about God. It's about trusting Him. It's trying to see where your trust and your allegiance lie. How much do you trust me? And we want to try to common sense a miracle. You know what I mean by that? We, we want a miracle, but we want to figure out how it's going to happen. Well, then it wouldn't be a miracle. We want to pray for God to do something big, do a miracle in my life, but then we want to common sense it. We want to figure it out, how it's going to happen. How we in our strength can make it happen. Well, then how would it be a miracle? Why would we need God? Why would we need to trust God? Why would we need to trust each other? We wouldn't. Do you know you can be in a place past faith and hope? I've been there before. In certain situations or relationships or people. I mean, you can get pushed. You can get so far that you can be past. I don't even have, I've lost faith. You hear people say, I lost faith in him. Burned me so many times. Past faith. I'm past hope. And in that place, you got to trust. Got to learn to trust. Trust God. Let's read the rest of the story. And we're done. Only you know that. And he said to me, prophesy. To prophesy is to ju- is simply means to restate that which God has already stated. To hear something that God said and say it. That's what it means to prophesy. To hear God's voice, to hear a word from God, and to re-say it, speak it. Say what God says, not what you see. He said to me, prophesy over these bones. Dry bones, listen to the message of God. God the Master told me, told the dry bones, watch this. I'm bringing the breath of life to you. 
and you'll come to life. And I'll attach sinews to you, and I'll put meat on your bones and cover you with skin and breath and, and breathe life into you. You'll come alive, and you'll realize that I am God. And I prophesied just as I had been commanded. As I prophesied, there was a sound. And oh, rustling. The bones moved and they came together bone to bone. And I kept watching. Sinews formed. Then muscles on the bones. Then skin stretched over them. But they had no breath in them. See, I told you it was creepy. This dude was watching like femurs come together and bones and sinews and then skin stretching over them. And then there was a bunch of dead bodies laying there instead of bones, which is probably even creepier. They had no breath in them. And they're all just, now they're all just piled up there. And he said unto me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man. Tell the breath. God, the master says, come from the four winds. Come, breath. Breathe on these slain bodies. Breathe life. So I prophesied just as he commanded me. The breath entered them, and they came alive. They stood up on their feet, a huge army. Then God said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Listen to what they're saying. Our bones are dried up. Our hope is gone. There's nothing left of us. Therefore prophesy. Tell them. God the master says, I'll dig up your graves and bring you out alive, oh my people. Then I'll take you straight to the land of Israel. When I dig up graves and bring you out as my people, you'll realize that I am God. And I'll breathe my life into you and you'll live. And then I'll lead you straight back to your land. And you'll realize that I am God. I've said it and I'll do it. God's decree. Stop saying what you're seeing. And start saying what God's saying. Listen to his voice. Some of you need to walk up into the graveyard of your, your marriage and speak what God's saying. Some of you need to walk up into the graveyard of you fill in the blank. Where do you see the death? What is it that needs to come alive? What hopes and dreams and purpose have, have died? Speak life over it. And trust Him. I think if, if we go the way I'm thinking, next week we're going to talk a lot more about trusting God. But to answer God's questions... When God asks you a question to say, I don't know, God, only you know. That takes trust. 
That's me saying, I can't figure it out, God. I don't know. I don't know how to fix this situation. I don't know if life can come out of death. I don't know if, I don't know. Because then, just like Ezekiel, when you're willing to say, I don't know, God, but I trust you, usually you're going to get an instruction. Okay, then prophesy, God said to Ezekiel. Then start to say what you're hearing from me. Forget what you're seeing. Remember, we walk by faith and not by sight. It doesn't matter what the circumstances look like. So be conscious. When God asks you a question, don't look to the situation for the answer. Because then the answer is going to be no. Remember how big God is. Learn to trust. Let's pray. God, thank you. God, thanks for speaking to us. God, thank you for all the blessings that you give us. Thank you for letting us live this life and waking us up and giving us breath and relationships. Thank you for music and Oreos. Thank you that the Falcons have a bye week so there's no way they can lose. Thank you that you care about what we care about. God, grow us up. We don't want to be big old babies leaving our butt prints in the sand. We want to walk in purpose. We want to be kingdom sons and daughters in relationship with you and each other. We want to make a difference. God, we love you. Thanks for loving us. Thank you for grace and mercy. In Jesus' name, amen.